Hi, I'm Scott Curtis, and this is Pod Around and Find Out. It's a podcast. You listen to it. Hey, folks, welcome back to Pod Around and Find Out. Tonight, I'm going to pot around and find out about Mike Chisholm. So just to give you a little bit of background on how I met Mike, he started a podcast called The Letterman Podcast. Guess who it's about? It's about David Letterman. And I was a huge fan of David Letterman when he had both of his shows, well, all three of his shows. I started with The Morning Show. And I had really forgotten about how much I loved David Letterman until this podcast showed up and interviewed Mike for Behind the Bitch just to talk about Letterman and stuff like that. But one of the things about Mike that is extremely infectious to me is his enthusiasm for what he does. Every time he has a guest on his show, the enthusiasm, the fact that he is just so glad to be in the moment with those people, the exuberance that he demonstrates, the it's it's almost childlike, the, the how how happy you are to connect with these people and that is something, you know, we talked before we started recording that's something that's hard for me to do it's a first off it's hard for me to connect with people but second it's hard to show my appreciation of people like you do and i the reason you know i i always like to say a reason i have somebody in the show it's because you personify what i'd like to be you know at least at least my oh, outward yeah at least my outward self. Our inward selves are always a little bit different, but you, I have so much respect for the way you treat your guests, the way you treat your people, the way, you know, I, I see you with your granddaughter, and it's just, it, it just warms my heart to know that there are people in the world like you, and tonight I want to get to know you better. Oh, my God, Scott. Uh, the first thing I have to say is the way that I feel about my guests on the show, you just did it. You just yeah. did it. You just kind of spoke from the heart and talked about who you, you just did what I do. That's, that's, that's it. What a, what a thing to say. Gosh, I, 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 I rarely am at a loss for words, but yeah. I appreciate this so much. I appreciate you so much. You know, you were one of the early adopters. I, all the things that you talked about with what I do on the show, I have been heavily criticized for, by, for, by many other people. Huh? You, you talk too much, Mike, you're too enthusiastic. You keep talking about how grateful you are. And, 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 and I've been criticized for that very, very thing. But at the very beginning, I had a few folks who reached out and said, I see what you're doing and it is coming right from your heart. You were one of those people, Scott, it is a pleasure. Anytime you do anything, you told me about this show today. And I said, give yeah. me your availability. Let's do it today. Right. I appreciate yeah. you so much. And, yeah. and, and I love what you're doing behind the bits. And I really, what you're doing here, I applaud that there's the men's mental health part. That's part of my life as well and and so right. that kind of also attracts here and and, right. and so thank you for saying those words and it is an absolute pleasure you just say the word whenever you want to do something and i'm available Scott. that's great that's great yeah. and and the he cast is obviously another another project that you're passionate about the yeah. the men's mental health podcast and the book you wrote with candace you know i read it yet but i just saved it in my amazon you know she, you, she changed me the, the ordeal for, from two perspectives and yeah. and 
well, I'm sorry, one ordeal, two two perspectives, and it just it sounds like something I need to read at this point in my life. And it's funny, you know, you get to a point in life where, and this has happened to me twice now. I think it was first when I was just turning fifty, and and I decide, you know, you decide you're either going to be what you are. And you're not going to get any better, and you're just going to go through life and be the angry old man that that you're turning into. Yes. Or you can decide that you want to open yourself up and you want to meet new people, try new things. And you know, for me, stand up comedy and the podcasting was was how I did that. And you know, I you know, since I you know I'm 59 now, and I've hit another another rut, and I'm like, okay, the only way I'm going to get out of this is to connect with people. And so that's, that. you know, that's why you're here. And you're one of my first guests because, man, every time I see you, and, and I, you know, I can see how somebody might be off put by the, by how excited you are with your guests and, 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 and all that. But I think what you said right at the beginning, it's real. It's, there's, yeah. It, 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 it can't be a put on for as many shows as you've done. And, <laughs> and it, and that just 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 that even if you don't like Letterman, just watching you engage with these people is it's a bright part of my day. And oh. I, you know, I oh, don't I don't watch podcasts, but yours I do because I want to see the facial expressions that goes along with the excitement. So <laughs> and I you know the whole Letterman thing, it's just amazing how much you have reconnected me with that with that whole time in my life because it, it I, i'm not a look back type person that much yeah but i start thinking you know i i lived for the letterman show and, and me too and it was it, no matter what you know i didn't record them i stayed up and watched them every night it because, was a constant in your life yeah me too yeah, yep. yeah. It's just it's it's amazing what that did for me, you know, in my my twenties and my thirties. It just it just really, you know, made my life better. And and you know, I I go through all Don Giller stuff just to relive some of those moments and and listen listen to your episodes just to get the all the behind the scenes stuff. And and I just gotta say, you had Dick Cabot. <laughs> I, when I saw that Dick Cavett was there, I was like, oh man, this guy's yeah. real now. That one raised a bunch of eyebrows. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, it's funny. I, there is such a thing as toxic positivity and I know that mm -hmm. that's around there, but I also know that that's not me there. I have had a percentage of people in my life ever since I was a little boy who would say, and it's probably one out of 10 or two out of 10, maybe mm -hmm. who look and say, Oh, that Chisholm guy, he's fake. And I, and I've grown up with that. You, you brought out the idea of the childlike enthusiasm mm -hmm. for whatever reason, there's probably five or six things that when I get into it, I get that childlike enthusiasm. Some, yeah. some things that I'm excited. Star Wars is one of them. I've been excited about, ever since I was that age and it's never gone away. Mm -hmm. Letterman, I think it's safe to say is another one because elementary school, he with Letterman, it was the, I can't believe adults get to act this way. Yeah. And there was also a little bit of mischief, not just because of the content, although the content is extremely mischievous mm -hmm. and I have to really hold myself back with Letterman podcast 
to not be mischievous. I don't want Barbara Gaines to hate me. Right. <laughs> I don't want people to, but, but at the same time I was raised on it. And then also the mischief was for me, it was listening to my dad. You, you brought up this, the, the idea of the constant mm -hmm. Dave himself talks about the idea that Johnny Carson was the guy that would tuck everybody into bed at night. And it was the constant. Well, Johnny was that for my father. My mm -hmm. father would go up to bed and I would, there were nights, Scott, seriously, where I would drink three glasses of water. So I would have to pee and try and time that pee with my dad going up so I could sit. We had one TV in the house, did not come from money. Yeah. So I could sit, you know, an inch away from the TV and watch Letterman, watch these people act this way. So mischief is a part of it as well. There's a childlike thing. But yeah, when I get excited about something, you can't, you can't fake it. You're right. Um, yeah. And, and, and some of these moments you talk about Don Giller earlier. I mean, I worship the guy's mind when it comes to the stuff that he retains and then the archival skills that he has. I do not have that. Mine is a human connection thing. And, and, and I'm able to, and my memory is such I'm anecdotal. I've got a lot of anecdotal stuff. And right. so, you know, talking to some of these people now, I just collaborated with Don Giller. He's been on the show a bunch of times, mm -hmm. probably because he was annoyed at factual inaccuracies in the early Letterman podcast. And he was just like, okay, I got to, like, he's a mentor to me in so many ways, Don is. And, and, and I, I appreciate him. It's a dream come true that I collaborated with this man. And, and, and I mean, when you have a dream come true happening, it's hard not to get excited about that. Right. So, I don't know. If yeah. That, uh, yeah. I just appreciate you for, 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 for noticing that and accepting me for who I am. Thank you for yeah. accepting this enthusiasm. And one of the things that I'm doing is a little bit more self-examination. And, you know, I look at the why, why Letterman meant so much to me. And it's, it's really simple when you look at it. He was an outsider and, and he wanted to stay an outsider. And that was me. You know, I, I, I had somebody finally tell me, I think it was in my 40s, dude, you're an outlier. You don't go with the flow on anything. And, and that's, that's, that's what I am. And that's why I connected with them. And it's the, the funny thing, it's these Midwest guys that, that seem to, to have that. You know, you, Cabot's a Midwest guy, Carson, Absolutely. Letterman. I mean, they, they just have that, you know, I... It's the everyman quality. Yeah, it's, it's every man, and yet it's every man, and yet I really don't care how rich and famous you are. And and totally, <laughs> you need to do something of substance for to impress me. And and that's that's Letterman, and it, it's it, that's what really you know when I do that self examination, I'm like that's that's what I saw, and and that's that's why I was so into him and he resonated with me and so you know we share that by the way the outlier right. thing yeah i just yeah. i just literally i'm a financial planner by trade and and i think the universe right now is kind of throwing me because this 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 clearly i do have some sort of skill you know people can be the judge as to where my level is but the passion is unlimited for this for for for, for this right whether it's letterman podcast whether it's something else i know that if there was a way that I could have a career in this, I would do it in a second and I'd be damn good at it. I just literally came from a meeting from my office and it, 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 it as much as I love helping people and I do, mm. and, and it's how I pay my bills. 
it was soul crushing that meeting, that particular meeting, because I am so outside the box. I'm the guy that yeah. goes to the office wearing the Jordans and the like. I don't I don't fit in, mm-hmm. and 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 the outlier part, I can identify with a hundred percent. I am yeah. that guy in so many ways, trying to find my way in the world, and even at 47, still that guy. So yeah, I yeah. yes, that is something I really appreciate about it. And he's indie, and I loved indie music. I love. Yeah. You know, I loved. Don't get me wrong. I loved Nirvana when they were playing stadiums, but I also loved them when they were playing clubs of forty people. You know, I I can celebrate Green Day for making it as big and as long as they were, but I also remember what it was like when I knew what Kerplunk was and nobody else did. Right? Yeah. So, and and Dave had those those roots of the indie of the secret little club that me and four other guys at high school kind of knew about, and we tried to convert people. Chris mm-hmm. Shakai came on the show and we talked about that, trying to convert people. No, no, no. You got to understand. You like comedy? Oh, my God. You got to watch Letterman. Yeah. So so those were parts of where my adoration for Dave came from and how I identified with it as well. Yeah. And yeah. I know that and, some of that some of that resonates with you as well. I yeah, know. the music stuff, definitely, yeah. because I still, you know, I if you look at my Spotify playlist, none of them get played on radio. They, exactly. They, and, and you know, some yep. of them have 3,000 listens a month. Some of them have 200. You know, it's, it's you like what you like and you, you, and that's one, that's one of the things I'm doing with this pod is I'm, I'm going to celebrate these smaller bands and get them on because they're, the, the music is so important to me as it is for you. The, you know, it's always, it's always there. You know, I listen to it in the morning. I listen to it while I'm working. I listen to it before yeah. I go to bed. You know, it's, 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 it's very important to me. And I get in ruts where I listen to one band, you know, constantly for a month. Sure. And, but usually it's not a band that a whole lot of people have heard of. And, and I'm totally okay with that. But yeah, it's, it, it's so, it's funny that we're so much alike, especially in our interests and and how excited we get about certain things and yet yeah. i think we come off as two completely different people and oh without and, a doubt and and you know i everybody is scared of me when i walk into a room until i loosen up and they loosen up and they find out i'm just a big goofy guy and yeah. and then but it's always you know i I work with with in a B2B type situation and I help salespeople pretty much take stuff to the finish line. And I don't wait for the salesperson to talk. I just go in and do my thing and yeah. it, it closes and and I take my percentage and walk away. But the connecting with the people, I do it better than all of them. So that's, you know, that one-to-one conversations I'm very good at. You put me in a group and it's kind of tough, but, but, and the Learman podcast, you know, that's how I found you. And, you know, we did, we talked on the surface level on behind the bits, you know, about you and your life, but I, I want to get to know you because, because I know that there's, the wheels are always turning inside for you and you're a driven person, but I want to know what drives you, what makes you happy. You know, wh- where did you come from? How did you get where you're, I just want to know the whole story. I appreciate that. You know, it's one thing that I think that a lot of folks, no matter their disposition, whether an introvert or an extrovert or whatever, I think at a certain level, people love to talk about themselves. So you're mm. giving me an opportunity to do that here, brother. And I appreciate that because we, <laughs> we, 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 we do love that. It's one of the criticisms I get on the show is that, you know, people like to say I pontificate because I prefer to have a conversation rather than an interview where 
I get to say my piece to the person that I admired for a long time and I get to hear their perspective, but my piece sometimes takes a couple hundred words, whereas some people it takes 20 words. Yeah. I love an exchange back and forth and a mutual getting to know and that sort of thing. So I appreciate this born and raised in Western Canada, born. uh, I, I still live in the city that I was born in. It's called Kelowna, British Columbia, a crown jewel of Western Canada. Wine country, it's 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 four seasons, but it's a mild winter. We still haven't had snow yet. Oh. But up on our ski mountain, our world-class ski hill, Big White, give them a shout out. They have, you know, sh- they call it champagne powder. It's a 45-minute drive from where I am. Cool. World-class water skiing. There's, I think it's 80 golf courses within a 100-mile radius. It's kind of like the Lake Tahoe mm-hmm. wine country. There's over 100 wineries within a three-hour drive. Beautiful, beautiful tourist destination place. Lucky enough to be born here. A lot of people try and get here. It's very expensive, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so, but did not come from money. Came from a, an environment where my dad worked 60 hours a week, blue collar. So my mom didn't have to for the first, you know, 15 years. I, I watched every friend's parents, it seems, relationship break down, you know, become the two working household. And then many of them broke down. I watched that happen in my generation. Didn't happen in my case, but my dad had a lot of anger issues. Part of what made me me is my dad's anger issues. He mm-hmm. has since dealt with it. I've had him on HeCast twice. The two very emotional episodes with a, I wasn't so much a host. I was a son talking to a father about some very pointed things, very therapeutic. One of the reasons that I got curious is because my older sister really got it bad from my dad. My little brother got it bad from him. Not violence, but verbal violence. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I was able to skate through is subconsciously I learned early on being curious, and this is going back, this is a convoluted way to get back to the original point, being curious saved my ass many times. So dad would come home from 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 the, the, the work site and he would be in a tear. He didn't drink. He was raised in horror by alcoholics. Mm-hmm. I, I never saw a drop of alcohol in my house growing up, but he had the anger. He didn't know how to deal with it. There was no such thing as, you know, exploring my mental health state at that right. point. He yeah. was a blue collar guy. Dad would come home and, you know, mom, we would look at the way that he would walk out of the vehicle. He drove a scout. I, I have a, I have a Bronco now that I have attributed to my dad's scout. My dad had a scout for 30 years. Mm-hmm. The way that he would slam the door, the way he would either come to the house and, and close the door, we would know the kind of mood he was in. I skated through that better than my brother and my sister, because I learned early on that if I asked my dad questions, if I was genuinely curious about things, it would diffuse the anger. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny. I have a natural curiosity at 47. You have all these guests on, on either one of my podcasts, and I am genuinely from the heart interested in what they have to say Questions come very easy. I very rarely have anything on the blue card for Cabot. I did. I very rarely do for other people because of the genuine curiosity that's there. Mm -hmm. I honestly think, Scott, that it came from being a reactionary point to my father's anger. Mm -hmm. And, 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 And people like to talk about themselves. Well, my dad, even when he was in a rage would like to talk about him himself. And I would ask questions. And I think that's one of the things that skated me by. I think that's where some of my curiosity comes from. So in Uh a nutshell, to answer some of your questions and for a bunch of jumping off points, that's, that's me in a nutshell. It's so funny because my dad is the same and he hasn't really changed, but 
you know, in my therapy and stuff like that, you know, every, and I've gone through a few therapists, by the way, because I'm, I'm an outlier and you get, you got you wear them out. You got to meet me where I'm at and I'm out. Don't you Scott? And they all agree that, you know, my mom and dad both suffered from depression and they just weren't able to be the parents that I needed. And instead of having the thought to try to bring that out of my dad, I just, stayed away and 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 did did my own thing and then i grew up to have anger issues myself and all the inward thinking thinking that people are doing stuff to me and and all that kind of stuff and just lashing out at people and the same thing verbal anger but really harsh verbal anger that you know hurt people and and you know ruin relationships for me and it that was one thing that I really came to terms with, you know, that at that fifty year old point, I'm like, that's got to stop. And if they are doing it to me, I can't control it, so I can't get mad about it. And now, you know, I that's one thing. If I can't say anything else, that's something I've been able to be a, way more copacetic about. I'm just like, you know, you, you're. I, I just calmly tell them, okay, you're pissing me off, and and and. <laughs> And we talked through it, and then we're friends afterwards instead of me just blowing up and ru- ruining everything. <laughs> it's funny. My dad talks about this because, I mean, my this the part two of my dad, which is beautiful. And if you ever watch my episode, the first episode I did with my father on, on HeCast, because my dad's on the other side of the journey now, but it took it took him going through hell, hitting a rock bottom moment, and that's what they say. Mm-hmm. But he talks about it now, how how how... He didn't realize that what to do with your anger was a choice. And it's such right. a simple concept, but you mm-hmm. have to experience it yourself. You can't just you can't just tell it to somebody and then they learn it necessarily. And in fact, most of the times that doesn't work. My mom got sick and tired of being sick and tired of 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 his anger and she moved to Ontario, which is across the country from where we are. Mm-hmm. You know, 6-hour plane ride kind of a thing. And 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 thought she was going to live the rest of her life with her family back back in Ontario. And my dad realized I'm going to lose everything if I don't change. And it took a couple of years, but he went through a journey of, of, of health, uh, of, of self-exploration and healing. Mm-hmm. And he's a completely different guy now. And, and, you know, he sees it in others and he goes to a men's group once a week to try and help others and also to kind of keep himself in check, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny how what you were talking about my dad would 100% be nodding and smiling hearing you say that because when you have that aha moment to realize it's okay to be angry and you have a choice what you're going to do with that anger, how freeing it is and how you actually have permission to not fly off the handle, to not destroy relationships, to not say things. You actually have a choice to do something positive with it and it actually can be empowering and lead to momentum the other way. Right. And, it is a it's it's such a freeing thing, but boy, getting to that place and learn of learning is boy, it can be a perilous road. Yeah, and it's it's so weird to be the calm person in a heated conversation, but it's a lot more fun. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> to keep that emotional intelligence. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it's almost like a game. Uh, I re- I read. I I'm pretty sure it's Brene Brown, but I I don't want to. I'm almost positive it is. I've had some activated people. I had an activated person at the office today, like Mm -hmm. literally 45 minutes before I got home to do this with you. I had an activated person at the office and I had to implore 
employ this strategy, I should say. Employer was the wrong word. I had to employ this strategy. And I think it was Brene, though, that talks about this, where if you have somebody across the table from you and they are spitting mad and they are just going off about whatever, whether it's directed at you or directed at somebody else, if you can somehow kind of wake up and become aware in that situation into like an analytical place, like almost like you could come out of yourself and you could observe the situation and you could come to this one thought. And that thought is imagine that that person right now is being the best version of themselves that they could be Mm -hmm. in that moment, in their anger, in their frustration, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the verb, the, the, the horrible venom that they're spewing, that they are being the best version of themselves they can be an extra gear of empathy suddenly shows up and you go, Oh man, that poor person. Yeah. And you start thinking, what are they going through? What are they feeling? And you have this empathy that wasn't there before. And instead of taking it personally and, and, and wanting to rise up emotionally yourself, Mm -hmm. you actually can diffuse the situation. At least in your mind, you can diffuse, you have the ability to diffuse trauma and all that. Mm -hmm. It's such an amazing skill to have being the calm person in a, in a situation like that, I find it almost empowering. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And and you strengthen your relationship with that person because you let them blow off the steam. I mean, the, the worst thing you can say when somebody's doing that is calm down. Yeah, You, you, you got to let them get it out and then, then get to the facts and then help them get to a place where they feel good again because they are the one that's hurting right now. It's not you. Absolutely. Easier said yeah. than done, but that is a, it's a, it, it's a wonderful hack to the end. It's a wonderful yeah. shortcut to the, to the, to, to, to resolution and not escalation. Yeah. 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 So coming from what you came from with, with, with angry dad and you, you know, you've got siblings that are, that are being affected by it. it yeah. If you're like me, when you get in your twenties and you move out and you do your own thing, you you come to this point where you just recognize every bad trait that you've inherited from your parents and it, it's it, it it's really it's it's hard it's hard to deal with when you're in your 20s you're not ready they they say men you know they get fully mature at 25 i, I think it's closer to 35 Super cortex isn't done to 25 to 27. That's the, that's the yeah. front part. That's yeah. long-term decision-making and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and really it, it, it I know it hit me. So what, what were your twenties like when you were trying to figure out who you are then? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Uh, I went through a, you know, got married to my high school sweetheart, divorced by 28. Mm-hmm. We had just become two different people completely. And, and part of that is the, is the, is the, the brain's not done yet. And sometimes, you know, like, like our, our youngest is married and, and he, uh, and, and that's not from that marriage. I had no kids in that, in the first relationship there. So we just kind of recognized that we were two different people and I will take the responsibility that I was not, I did not know. I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and when, and when the, the wind started to blow and the boat started rocking, I did not, I was not prepared maturity wise to deal with some of that stuff. And, and, and while the divorce itself was, you know, well, from, from an outsider's standpoint, extremely calm, extremely amicable, extremely like there was no lawyers involved. There was no anything. It was done within, you know, kind of a three month period. It was, it was very, uh, the, the lead up to it certainly 
I didn't have the maturity or skills necessary to deal with some of the things. I, I, I certainly did not act the way that I wish I should have or would have. I would like to think that the way that I would act now and, and, and a lot of growing up to do. And that was a, that was a huge moment of, of reflection. And, and really there was some religion involved there because, you know, we were, we were attending a church back then in the, in the divorce, she got the church. And so these are people that, that, that I had thought were sort of a community and, and I had to kind of come to grips with the fact that, well, there's maybe some judgment there that I didn't know would exist and, and some flight or some avoidance behavior on my part, for sure. Mm-hmm. Assuming that people thought something, a lot of growing up there for sure, but also started with a quest for personal development. And that's where I started reading books about getting better and all that kind of stuff. I never really did the therapy thing, but I did dive into, you know, John Maxwell was one of them. Uh, I love, uh, there's a whole bunch of personal development books that I've read over my life that I just absolutely adore. One of them, 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class by Steve Seibold. I love that book so much. Mm-hmm. The reason I love that one is because it's 177 little secrets where it's like world-class people think this way. The masses think this way. Yeah. My 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 uh, life motto is don't focus on the problem, focus on the solution. Mm. The moment you can flip gears, something happens. And the moment you can flip gears and go into solution mode, that will serve you. Mm. So I got into personal development at that point. And I think that saved me a lot. Now, later on, 47 years old, wind's blowing and my wife's in my life right now a little bit. It was certainly when our granddaughter was at BC Children's Hospital. That's what the book is about. Mm-hmm. And she's fine now. She's cancer-free. But we went through a six-month period where we weren't sure what was going to happen when she was 18 months old. So so now I'm actually exploring a little bit of therapeutic side of things and 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 and, and going through it that way. But I think I avoided that because I dove so deeply into personal development over the years. So that was something that I really appreciated. You really seem, as far as the podcast goes, you you seem fearless in that you will you will do whatever it takes to get to the people you want to talk to, and yes. and and I know that people like Willie and Paul Schaefer and 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 those types of people. I bet you probably got a no or you ignored before they finally decided you weren't going to leave them alone. And, and that's what, that's one of the things. Cause I, you know, I'm one of those guys, you know, I'll, I'll email or call and you know, I've got a couple of them. One of them that gave me a tentative. Yes. And one of them, his wife gave me a, of yes, that haven't gotten back with me. And normally uh, like yeah. when I was doing behind the bits, I just say, okay, they don't want to talk to me and I don't follow up. But then I start to realize, hey, they're they're living busy lives and I need to catch them at the right time. And and so, you know, I give it a couple of weeks and poke them and give them a couple more weeks and poke them and until they say stop poking. And yes, <laughs> or you can poke me at this time or something yes. like that. And I know that that's something that it seems innate in you. And it's something that I have to overcome my own I guess my own insecurities, nobody want to talk to me anyway, and, and really keep pushing at those types of things. Well, there's a couple things here. Number one, I've always, I've been the guy that manifests weird, amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can go into that from a guy who hasn't come from money. Some of the situations that I have found myself in when it comes to the things that I love is absolutely jaw dropping. 
you know, I've had experiences in my, in my, you know, my thirties and forties that if you were to tell 22 year old Mike, this is going to happen. Then at some point this is going to happen. And at some point this is going to happen. 21, 22 year old Mike would be like, you're shitting me. There's no way that that is going to happen. That's like dream come true stuff. So that's the manifesting stuff. That part I can't, I can't really put my finger on other than the fact that when I, when I see something and I want to go for it, doors seem to open. And, and, and I think, I don't know if it's an intention thing or, or what, but I just dream big and I, I, I put actions towards those dreams and doors seem to open. There are tangible things that you just talked about that I have 100% taken from the personal development, you know, books of the world and things like that. The first one is don't ever be very careful of the narratives that you tell yourself. You know, you go back to Will Lee. I, I mean, Will and I are friends now. I mean, he calls me after every second episode. I get a phone call from Will Lee <laughs> starting at about Cabot, actually. I think it was Cabot. He called yeah. me from Germany. And and I just I, I look at it. It's Will Lee. I'm like, hey, I thought you were in Germany. I pick up the phone. Hello. And he just goes, Dick, can I swear here? Is it OK? If yeah. Here? Oh, yeah. I don't know. OK. And he goes, Dick fucking Cabot. <laughs> and I'm like, aren't you in Germany? He's like, yeah, but I got to talk to you about this. And And, and like, so Will is a friend now. How did I get him? He was a referral. He, mm-hmm. and referrals are the best thing. And, and this is where I know that I've, I've annoyed the piss out of a few people that I really feel bad that I have annoyed them. I don't ever want to be that guy uh-huh. to, 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 to these people because I worship them. But even the people that I might be that guy to, they tolerate me. Yeah. They, they, you know, even though they might either be off put by my, by my enthusiasm, some people don't like puppy dogs. I'm kind of like a puppy dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but even those people, I think for the most part, they tolerate me. They still return emails. They still do that. Yeah. But referrals, the, the, the thing that I love so much is because the genuineness is there. The people who have fun on the show, the people who are like, I'm not going to, you're not going to get 10 minutes out of me. I'm like, if it's a 10 minute show, it's a 10 minute show. I don't yeah. care. No problem. But I know that my curiosity is such Mm. It's part of the reason that I talk so much on the show too, which is again, something that people, some people don't like, you know, they'd rather me do a, do a 10 second question Mm -hmm. and let them have a three minute answer. The problem is, is that I'm talking to people who aren't broadcasters. I'm talking to people who aren't used to talking on camera. So a discussion that goes back and forth. And if I lay out a question that has three or four different questions within it, now we've got a discussion point and they can start talking And at the end of that episode, Scott, I swear to God, one of the things I'm most proud of is how many people have said to me, number one, how much fun they had. Number two, that they're willing to come back again. And at that point, that's when, you know, you don't worry about the narrative of what people are telling themselves, saying at that point. You say, hey, who I want to have everybody tell their story. Mm -hmm. Who's a couple people who I should reach out to? And can I have their contact info, please? So right. that's how I ended up getting Will. And, yeah. and and that is a completely different deal than a cold call. Yes. And I mean, for those in business, they would understand that. They would understand that a warm relationship is way more coveted than a cold call. Mm-hmm. So, so, and if somebody says no, I do my very best. If I, and I mean, I get the feelings, I get the, oh, I take it personal. Oh God, they must think I'm a freak or whatever. No, but then the the awareness kicks in and says, okay, let's interrupt that. Who are you? to create a narrative like that their dog might have just died Mm. or they might be in a fight with their spouse or they might be have a parent who is you know suffering dementia or something like that 
stop it. Yeah. Stop giving yourself that much power in this person who's never met yours life. Yeah. That being said, so there's the creative don't don't create a narrative that doesn't exist. The second thing is that the fortune is in the follow up. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't follow up. Right. And 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 there's two or three people that that are in that community that are fine with me that actually like the show, but they won't come on the show, but I still follow up with them. Yeah. And, and, and I know that there's two or three of them that I will get and they're big gets They're Uh as far as Letterman people are concerned, they're big, big gets. Yeah. And, and I know they'll come on the show because of, you know, I'm not creating that narrative and I, and I'm not afraid to respectfully follow Mm -hmm. up from the heart. Again, it's all respect. If their name comes up in a show, that's a reason for me to like, I find reasons to, 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 to contact them mm-hmm. in a, in an organic way. And I think it's about, again, the third thing, again, more personal development, you know, people don't care how much, you know, but they want to know that you care. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I truly care about this stuff. They know that I care about it and I've been able to build some trust to the point where when Rupert retired, I spoke to that group. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> and I mean, we're getting into Letterman inside stuff now. So people might not understand what that is, but I've actually addressed them and, and, and been thanked for it and been, you know, positively reinforced for doing so. Right. Right. This is a group that I really only had association with one person at the very beginning. And it just has blossomed into this, this thing. So yeah. Again, I feel like I'm talking your ear off, but again, people like to talk about themselves. So thank you for giving me that, Scott. Yeah, and and, and this <laughs> it's perfect. And, and the only thing I would add is that 87% of the podcasts out there are shitty. And if you don't have a referral and and they say, "No, this one's good," then you know, I I've started, you know, I'm on podcasts once in a while and, you know, I've started getting a little bit more picky cuz I've been on some yeah. really really bad ones. Yeah. (laughs) If somebody reaches out, I'm like, I got to listen to a couple first. I'll get back with you. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got to be real careful in saying this. Another one of the biggest compliments that I have gotten from some of these staffers and, 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 and other folks is, oh, this, I, I've seen, I've been on other podcasts and it was a terrible experience. This one is fantastic. And I mean, you know what? Who knows? Maybe there are some that feel the opposite. I don't know that though. At this point here, my confidence is starting to really, I had a lot of imposter syndrome at the beginning, like mm-hmm. a lot of imposter syndrome, Scott. Like I, I was really, I, I really didn't have the worthiness, the internal worthiness that I could be the guy to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and thankfully at the beginning, I had a couple high level people within Letterman saying, no, you're good. You'll get better. And a few other people who identified with what, the vision that I had, even though I wasn't necessarily executing, mm-hmm. that gave me some encouragement. And I mean, yeah. it's so great to be an encouragement for others because, you know, when we get encouraged on things, it might be the difference between chasing a dream or not. And, right. and uh, the confidence is starting to come up now for that very reason, for the referral thing. So, right, yeah. right. And the, and I think once they recognize the sincerity that you're just not trying to get a name on there that you really want to talk to them, I think... That's a big thing because in in the whole run I did of behind the bits, there wasn't anybody. On, well, there's maybe two on there that I didn't really want to talk to. They had reached out to me, and they weren't great interviews because they, they weren't they just weren't great at what they do. But yeah. everybody else, you know, like 150 interviews, I 
those were people that I wanted to talk to. There was a there was a reason that I wanted to talk to them, and I think most people appreciate that because they know that they're wanted on there. They're not just wanted for their name. They're not wanted to fill yeah. space or fill time or whatever. Yeah. The, they, they know that, you know, I, I really wanted to talk to them. And, and that usually, it, it usually t- they take t- their guard down pretty quick once they realize that. Can I ask you a question about Behind the Bits? Yeah. So, so 150 episodes, most of them being great. I love the premise of it. Obviously, I love stand-up as well and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. You know, 150 is 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 nothing to sneeze at and i also know how invested you are in 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 that show and what it was it it, it mm-hmm. rang true to you in that place and 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 i love how you're evolving to this and the self exploration but i'm super curious from a stand up perspective i have certainly noticed in my in my in my show both shows for that matter echoes that show up constants that show up things that are uh, you know uh, that, that that can be related to many of the episodes, many of the guests, many of the mindsets, you've talked to a bunch of standups mm-hmm. and you know, standups are some of the most eclectic, beautiful people. I love I'm, I'm locally. I, I, I know a lot of our local standups. I'm a little bit in that scene. I've done it a few times to try and get the skill down mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm super curious in behind the bits. Have you done any reflection to look at? Yeah. These are some of the constant things that have shown up. There are some echoes, some, some things that are, that are uh, patterns. Well, I think that any any comedian that achieves any sort of success, and that's most of what I most of what I had on the, the that are at least regionally successful. And yeah, and you had worked the, with stand-ups on the show. Yeah, they can they can yeah. headline clubs. First of all, they worry about their own business. The stand-up community in general, like you, all the Matt Rife stuff's going on right now, and Absolutely. and every. Uh, Comedians are chiming in and, uh, you know, saying, you know, he's a hack, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, my thing is, is do whatever you need to do to get where you need to be. And he is going where he, where he wants to be. So, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but right. What, whatever. And so there's a lot of hate. So I've got so many comedians on, on my Facebook page and I'm in so many groups and all, all the people that hate aren't people that I would want to talk to on on the podcast so the good comedians they they mind their own business they're nice to people they they show up on time they 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 do basic things right now what they do on stage is extremely different how they write is extremely different some of them write it down word for word like seinfeld does some of them write down bullet points some of them go up there with a few thoughts in their head and spit out 30 minutes so it's that's totally different but Everybody that I see that succeeds in stand-up comedy treats it as their own business. And right. and whatever is going on in their life, you don't stage. You know, they, they go up on stage and they're professional. They do their thing. They that they're going to have good nights and bad nights and and. Er- they're they're gonna have bookers that don't want to pay them. They're, you know, they they it's all part of the business, and they roll with it. You don't see them on social media blasting other comedians and and all that kind of stuff. They are just they know that they have to concentrate on themselves to get themselves to the next level. And yes. that's that's really the constant. Everything else is super eclectic, just like you said. The, the you know how 
how they were brought up. I mean, everybody says that, you know, most comedians have mental illness, and that's not really true. There, there are quite a few. Most of them are at least as mentally healthy as you and I. <laughs> I mean, we can get up and put our shoes on in the morning. So, I, you know, that's, that, that's a big thing um, And if you do have mental illness. So, you know, they've all got, they all come from different backgrounds, some rich, some poor. You know, it's just, it's amazing that everything is different up to the point of care of their career and that's all the same be nice yeah. be on time concentrate on your own stuff don't worry about anybody else and and take it to the next level that's all that's all the good ones are thinking about damn man i can i th you and i could this could be such a rabbit hole right here I, like i love i love jerry seinfeld's take on it it's like guys who drive bread trucks you uh -huh. know you got you got a, fle a fleet of bread trucks you're gonna have guys who have you know fantastic mental health you're gonna it's, it's about the same percentage but I think that the, the, the stereotype comes from the fact that being a stand-up in so many examples, I would almost even hazard to say the majority of examples, there's introspection involved. Mm -hmm. And I think many times introspection, especially in the generation that you and I grew up in, introspection can be seen as mental illness, but it's not necessarily so. Sometimes introspection is just or observance is just observance mm -hmm. and it, it has nothing to do if somebody's broken or not. It's just the fact that they're observing something that that might be a little bit off kilter or skew or broken or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I love, I love how Seinfeld says that. Now, the other thing that we could jump into, I watched the Matt Reif special with my wife, surprisingly. Uh -huh. And, and, and she was excited about it. She's like, Hey, uh, she had said to me and very rarely does candy ever say to me, I'm the stand-up guy. I'm, I'm the guy who loves stand-up. I'm the guy that will drag her to, whatever yeah but every once in a while she'll come to me and say hey have you ever heard of this comic mm -hmm. and i'll be like and matt rife is one of them yeah and when, so when his special came out that was a date night for us and any time that i can have a date night which is a which is a stand-up special with my wife i'm in oh yeah because it's not typically her cup of tea mm. so we're watching matt rife and 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 who's nor normally for her she loves the crowd work that he does right and 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 whatnot and and i'm watching this thing and the first thing that comes to my mind is that this guy is brilliant because he is 100% engineering a controversy here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he knows exactly what he is doing. This is my response on the couch before the show is over. Yeah. I'm saying this to Candy. And I've, I've talked to enough stand-ups that I think I have a little bit of credibility to, to be able to, you know, throw out observances like this and be, and be somewhat, you know, at least respected. I want to yeah. talk to Jason Zinneman about this because it feels like to me that it was engineered because the response came too quickly and it was too polished and it was this and everybody's talking about him and everybody's watching the show. And, and, and to me, you got a guy who wants to take it to the next level and maybe get a new audience and maybe spread the wings a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's the way to do it in this polarized landscape that we're in right now. Yeah. And I actually, so I don't know if I'm giving him way too much credit or, or, or if I'm, if I'm on the mark and he's a, he's a genius or somewhere in between, but to me, I think that was perfectly engineered. I I a hundred percent agree. And then he's got yeah? this thing going on where he told a six year old that his mom's getting Christmas gifts through OnlyFans and stuff like that. So I can't remember the guy's name, and it really bugs me. The guy that did the Hickory Dickory Dock. Dice I entered. So I think. Yeah. So we really haven't had anything like an Andrew Dice Clay since him. 
and like that. No, nope. and all all the other you know all the other comedians you know they're taking a stand one way or the other, and there's a lot of political ones, but they are not dividing the audience socially. They're 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 doing it on, on purpose, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Chappelle, doing... I think is is is. I think he's leading from the front and trying to prove yeah. points about mm. certain things. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, like, like Andrew Dice Clay was overt yeah. in, 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 in really touching the, you know, the, the nerve and trying to piss off feminists mm. and, and, and conservatives and, and, and other people. So yeah, I, I yeah. hear you. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is about, you know, like comedy scenes is that most of them are really toxic. Because they're all trying to jump over the other one, and when somebody gets gets the feature spot or the headliner spot or something like that, they're all you know bitter about it and stuff like that. LSD backbiting. Yeah, actually, Huntsville yep. is actually really nice. So when I was in South Bend, it was as nice as I I I could ever expect it. Everybody was super. And when I came to Huntsville, I was like, man, I don't know if I even want to get into this again because you know i don't know how i'm going to be perceived and and for a while they perceived me as you know another old guy that thinks he's funny and 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 all that and now they're you know they're starting to warm up to me now and but i see them together and they're not they're not backbiting they're not you know they're not talk talking behind backs and stuff like that and in general though i like to I like to compare comedians to musicians because musicians are always lifting each other up. They, yep. they, they, and it's amazing how many different types of music different musicians like. You know, you get a country guy that loves metal and, and, yeah. you, you know, a punk guy that loves classical and jazz and all that kind of, but the thing is, is they, they, they're a community. And it doesn't matter what type of music you play or whatever. They are community and they're there to help each other. Whereas comedy is really a lot of them are the insecurities and stuff come out. And especially young ones, they they just rattle off stuff that they shouldn't. And, and, and that's what hurts them. And that's why almost everybody I talked to on Behind the Bits was not that type of person. They were taking right. care of their own shit. <laughs> and Folks that's, in Alabama... They they were probably protective of what they had. They see you coming in, but it's you're not just an old guy or whatever. You're probably an outsider. Yeah, and they want oh, to yeah. make sure that you're not going to bring some of that culture yeah. that they've probably seen come in and out. It yeah. sounds like they've cultivated a scene there. Yeah, and it's a it, you know it's a very young scene, and yep. and and South Bend was was very young as well. But there were a couple of us, you know, at least over forty in in, in the mix. But yeah, it's just you know. And it's it's hard for me because you know, down to the bone, I'm an introvert anyway. So it's hard for me to right. get out in those types of scenes anyway. But yeah, it, for a while there, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get accepted here. Now, now the tides are starting to turn, and and uh, and probably pick your brain a little up. bit. I would think yeah. as well now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so, you're that guy. You're you're definitely that guy. You're the guy that I think intrinsically people would 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 ask advice from. I yeah. just see you being that guy. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you, you compared comedy and, and, and musicians. My comparison, because I have a background with this, again, it's one of the weird things that I've just had happen to me. Are you familiar with pro wrestling at all? Professional wrestling at all? So I know who Hulk Hogan is. Okay. Andre the Giant. So, okay. So I've never bit, watched, I've never watched a full program. Okay. So I fell ass backwards into becoming a wrestling promoter. It was mm. a total accident, but I became one. And, and not only that, 
have been invited into the scene. You know, I got the picture of Kaufman and Lawler behind me uh-huh. signed to Mike, my friend, Jerry Lawler. Yeah. And 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 huh, was going to have him on the show. And then he had a stroke. That was a that was a tough one to hear that Jerry because Jerry's got a lot of cool stuff to say about Andy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, sending lots of love to Jerry Lawler. So, again, I'm an outlier when Mike. Many times financial planners, they like to give back to their community. They'll put on like a golf tournament or a walk. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. I had a friend who was in the pro wrestling business and we got together and we created a, it, it was basically, we, we, we put a business model around the idea of a pro wrestling show. We brought in one of Hulk Hogan's friends. His name was Brutus, the barber beefcake. Uh-huh. Everybody thought you guys are nuts. And then we raised $16,000 for BC children's hospital in one night. Yeah. <laughs> and what I wasn't prepared for the wrestling fans are a lot like comedy fans. They're kind of ravenous. And, yes. and, 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 and suddenly we have all these wrestling fans that are like, when's the next show? When's the next show? And for, 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 for six years, and I forget how many events, 18, 20 events, something like that, raised a quarter million dollars, uh, got involved in the pro wrestling business. And I got to meet and I got invited behind the curtain. It's still a very closed fraternity mm-hmm. and it is very similar to com- comedy. You know, you, you get to the, the, the end of the night and you're at the back table there and that's where the comics are. And if you get to go sit at that table and listen and not necessarily converse, but listen, it's a different conversation that's happening there than any other table in the place. Right. Pro wrestlers are very, very similar. I've met a lot of them at the highest level. Like I've, I've interviewed and talked to Mick Foley, mankind. I've got a picture over here of me interviewing him all the way down to the, 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 the indiest of the indie mm-hmm. and eclectic group of people, wrestling scenes and comedy scenes are very very similar. Yeah. I, I cannot, you know, a lot of these people who are on the road all the time, you know, they get the, 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 the road fatigue and, and, and whatnot. And you talk about the idea of, of, of mental health to go back. A lot, are a lot of comics have mental health issues. I think a lot of road comics get mentally fatigued because of the road. Oh, because yeah. The road life is a completely different life. Ask a trucker, ask a professional wrestler, ask a, ask a comedian. And I see a lot of similarities between pro wrestlers and, and because they're all honing their act. It's mm. just a different act. Right. I want to be different than any other wrestler that's around there. If I am similar to another wrestler, I'm going to get called out for being a hack. Um, mm. So I got to be different enough. Yet I still have to connect, find a way to connect with the audience in a different way and entertain whether I'm shocking them, whether I'm making them have a belly laugh, whether I'm using puns and clever, whatever that is. I find that those two entertainers are actually very similar. And there's a lot of wrestlers that love comedy and vice versa. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the three constants with comedians and and, and this is funny because I'm not in any of the three is they (laughs) they either like Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons or wrestling or all three. And (laughs) and and I'm not. I'm not in any of those. Uh, actually, part of my podcast. I'm friends right now. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things I'm doing on my podcast is there's a D&D group here in town that I'm going to go play with them and record at the same it? time. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that we can, we can, Jesus. so I can figure out what this is all about. Cause Genius. I, yeah, I've played like, I've played like three video games in my life and, and they were all the might and magic ones and the PC games. And that that's really all I've done as far as video games. I had an Atari when I was a kid, but yeah, I never, that was never my thing. Wrestling was never my thing. One of the, 
women that was in the South Bend scene is now with her boyfriend in the local wrestling scene there. And she's like his manager. She's Jackie Jester. And I don't know what his name is, but she's really digging it. And she does, you know, she does a stand up too, but she's, she's really, really leaning into it. And they're heels, of course, very good. Oh yeah. Very yeah, good yeah, yeah. at, at oh, the yeah. heel thing. And I, 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 it's just really neat to see somebody get into something that, that they like. And, and, that's one thing I'll never put anybody down for what they like. I just, sure. I just, I can't fake that I'm getting into it. <laughs> Cause I went to see the, see star Wars in 77. I was 13 or 14, years old. And I oh, was you're like, the perfect age demo. And you're the guy that was like, yeah. Meh. I was like, Nope. <laughs> and, and I think I saw apocalypse now right after that. And I'm you know, like, yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's the outlier though. Yeah. And, and 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 that's cool. Like I I dig that very very much because all these years later, you're the guy that goes into a and d game for the first time, you know, and the perspective you bring out of it is amazing. I yeah. I I love guys like you who who are also open enough to and not just open enough but self-aware enough to know this is where the culture is. This is where I am. Let's play with that a little yeah. bit. That's a, that's a cool place too. Yeah. And, and whatever comes of it, you know, who's, who knows? I may be totally enamored with the whole thing and, and become a hardcore D and D dude, but you know, at least I'm going to know what it's all about. And, Absolutely. and, and I need to, because I, I at least know what star Wars is all about. And sure. I, you know, I, I pretty much know what wrestling's all about. So, you know, I, I kind of know a little bit about what they do. I know that, you know, there's a start and end to it, and they're improv and a lot of the rest, uh, except for some of the moves that they've done. But what they say is so improv the you know, hats off to them, because that, that's the hardest thing to do. And you, 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 can't, you, you can't have that much material ready for as many matches as they have in a month's time. So you, but it's funny though. It's so funny, Scott. Like, like, like some wrestlers are the Seinfeld, and I'll watch them backstage if uh-huh. I don't want to give away whatever. But, but they will sit there, and there's almost this language between the two of them, and, and they're like, "Okay, then I'm this, and then and okay, then fuck you there, and I'll do yeah. this, and then, and I'll do that, and then fuck you this, fuck you that." And it's like this little language, and they they speak carny a little bit, and you watch them do this, and they will be like Seinfeld, and every single thing will be 100 percent choreographed. Uh-huh. And then there are guys who are like Ian Bag, where they yeah. just walk out there and 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 they listen. And this is what the veterans do, by the way. The WWE guys that would come in and be the, you know, they many of them, the best ones that we hired to come in to be the kind of the draw. It's kind of like building a stand-up show, right? You've got yeah. a bunch of local guys, and then you bring in Tom Dreesen to, you know, a lot of them are like Tom Dreesen, yeah. where they are, they've got to the level that they are because they love to build into some of the younger wrestlers mm-hmm. and they won't choreograph a goddamn thing except for they just know how the finish of the match is going to be. Yeah. And they listen to the crowd and they literally play off the crowd like Ian Bag does. Yeah. And they create a narrative out of that that has ups and downs and emotional responses and all of this entertainment. Yeah. Like, dude, it is so similar to stand up. I can't even. I'm very, very grateful that I got invited into that world accidentally. Yeah, that's, that's great. And it's it, weird. It's it's really weird to say that I have a wrestling promotion. I get weird looks at parties sometimes. Not so much. <laughs> I haven't promoted a show since COVID. Yeah. But it's weird to say I have a wrestling promotion. But Invasion Championship Wrestling, we Yeah. So Yeah. It's funny you mention Ian Bag because he's he's one of my all time favorites and a Canadian. And um, and 
you know, he he gets he gets hate. Oh yeah. So, some people really don't like him, and I finally got to see him live here in Huntsville a few months ago, and it was really cool because I got to see Michael Palasek on one night. I think it was a Wednesday, and I got to see Ian Bag on a Saturday, and it was just an awful crowd, and it was just it it, it was terrible, and he loved it. You know, he's just leaning <laughs> into how terrible they are, and yeah. it was it, it was great, and. See, seeing him work on his feet like that is it's no you can't yeah you you, you just you know paul poundstone does that too N- nobody sure. knows knows how much crowd work she does to go to one of her shows and she does the same thing and and she can call back to stuff that she talked to somebody with at the beginning of the show at the end of the show and tie it all together and she didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> it's it's just nuts the mental dexterity is amazing. I think about Dave, go back to Letterman for a second, and, and and he recounts many times the first time he saw Robin Williams. And I mean, he just looks and you know, this this tornado of yeah. of, of of emotion comes in and, and hilarity and and you know, going, is this is this what we have to do? Is this what the new standard is? And thank yeah. God it's not. It's just, <laughs> you know, again, it's that eclectic nature. It's funny talking about Ian Bagg. Just give him a quick shout out. He's supposed to come on the Letterman podcast, and I've let I've let I've stopped following up with him. I forgot to. Letterman is one of the guys. It's he said it's the only show that I wanted to go on that I was never able to. Uh-huh. He loves it. He wants to come on our show and talk about Letterman. God damn, I got to reach out to him. I'm glad his name came up here because yeah. I'll follow up with him tonight. Let's yeah, see if we he, can get him on here in the next couple of weeks because of this conversation. Yeah, he was a great Ian's interview. A great guy. He oh. And one of the things I asked him, it, for some reason, I had gotten I, I had gotten word that a lot of the headliners tell the features to make sure that they don't overshadow them and, and to tone it down. So I asked Ian, I said, so what what do you think about your feature? You, what do you want them to do? And he, he says, I want them to try to blow me out of the fucking water. <laughs> Again, it's like wrestlers. Yeah. Wrestlers who will be third on the card. And they'll be like, follow this motherfucker. And yep. they will and they will absolutely try. And what it, one of two things is going to happen. Again, what kind of mindset do you have? Do you have a regular person's mindset? Do you have a champion's mindset? Mm. The champion will look at it like we'll do Burt Kreischer. Yeah. Burt Kreischer finishes his Canadian tour. What's the tweet that he puts out? Thank God I'm out of Canada because I don't have to follow Ian Bag anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, Ian, I watched him. He edified the hell out of Bert before Bert came up. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think I think I think if you are able to if you're able to throw down what you have and elevate the show, but still be respectful to the headliner, I think you can have your cake and eat it too. Oh yeah. But but I mean, you know what? If I'm a headliner, I don't want to be comfortable. I mm-hmm. want to be at the point where it's like, you know what? I'm afraid. Like if there was another Letterman podcast out there, and I'm grateful that there's not, especially now that I'm kind of finding my own. I would be the guy who says, well, no, I, I, they're going to elevate me. If yeah. they, if they have somebody on, that's going to, I'm going to want to one up that. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that's the way it should be. And who, who benefits from that? Well, the audience does. Yeah. The audience benefits because somebody's not going to phone it in. Instead, they're going to kind of go after it a little bit. And, and that helps everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, and, and I was so glad that he said that because that that's what I want. I, you know, in, in business, I, I, I want people that are going to challenge me and try to take my spot, but, you know, yeah. th- cause that's the only way I'm going to get better. Absolutely. It, I'll be complacent otherwise. Yeah. The people who com- have complained about me at the Letterman podcast is, again, I, I started with HeCast, but if you watch episodes of HeCast, I do have some zoom on there, 
Mm-hmm. But the majority of them are absolutely gorgeously shot. My stepson happens to be a videographer and my wife mm-hmm. is building a men's mental wellness app called he changed it. And I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're just, it's so funny. It's at the startup phase still more people are using the app than they've ever used it and whatnot. But at the same time, I mean, we're self-financing it and it's going through all of these things. You know, I talk about mental health, you know, we're going through it. My wife and I are going through it right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going through scarcity, money stuff, problems of, of, oh my God. The anxiety is through the roof. I've never felt anxiety in my life, but we're doing something hard. Mm-hmm. So when you watch the episodes of HeCast, though, expertly shot, two-camera deal, all high def, just gorgeous, conversation back and forth, edited well. And then I go and start doing the Letterman podcast, and I try and have the same conversations that I have over Zoom. There's yeah. a learning curve. I'm talking over people. I haven't found my groove yet. All of these things. And at the beginning... I mean, I love Googling the Letterman podcast still. I'll yeah. Google it and I'll find some of the the few, few people who have bothered to leave a review are all from the very beginning. Love the show. Love the idea. I hate the host. <laughs> and and literally, <laughs> literally. No, it's you. I remember when Quentin Tarantino was on, I believe it was a Letterman interview, actually. He's on doing panel. And, 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 and he actually says, you know, somebody says, oh, you're acting now. I think it was Dave that said it to him. You're acting mm-hmm. now. And Quentin was like... He's like, yeah, but boy, is it tough. Like people will say, I hated your part in four rooms. Oh, what did you hate about the story? Whatever. No, I hated you. (laughs) I have a bunch of that out there, like a bunch of it. But it has caused me to take food for thought. Somebody actually, and they weren't necessarily being shitty for shitty for being shitty sake. That stuff I'm able to ignore. But the people who actually had a beef, I'm like, okay, well, these are, there's not saying it in the kindest way, but these are the ways that I need to improve. I need to stop talking over people. I need to, you know, maybe shorten up my questions, but they don't understand necessarily like what it's like to get a non introvert or a non extrovert. Right. Yeah. Talk, right. Like they don't necessarily understand that there is some science behind it. There is some method to the madness, but I, but it makes me aware and it makes me mindful. And if you can take emotion out of it, that's the stuff that, is can be gold yeah so i'm really grateful for those people who who, who gave those reviews early on right and it made me want to elevate my game as well yeah i gotta feel like that too and it, it, the funny thing is is getting a reaction like that it's still a reaction it's like there's no bad press you know so oh, that's yeah. a very good point yeah and 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 please please don't change how you are and and you know what <laughs> a lot of people don't know getting getting these behind the scenes people that aren't used to the camera stuff, they don't know that you need that exposition to get them to where you need them. And you got to set, you got to tell the story and you got to set the story. Yeah. When I talk to comedians, I'm like, about your day and I get an hour, you know, it's, it's really easy because they, they're used to talking and, and they're not scared of it. And, but you know, the few times I had, like I had a, um, I'm sure, you know, a guy that managed comedians and he worked with Seinfeld and, and some people like that fairly early on in the show. And, you know, the first thing he says, why the hell do you want to talk to me? And and I said, well, I just want, I want to know what the inside of the business is like. And, and it yeah. took a little more to get him going, but once it happened, it was, it was cake. It was just super easy. I'll tell you where that one happened. So, so you're a Letterman guy. And you've watched quite a few of my shows. I don't know if you've seen this one or not, but we had a, there's a guy who was the head of marketing for CBS for 40 some odd years. His name is George Schweitzer. Okay. I haven't seen and, that. And, one. and, and I, 
I got his email and I reached out to him and I've got like four of these people right now that I'm working on right now, not mm -hmm. necessarily at his position, but four of them where they're like, Oh man, I don't know. I'd be terrible at this. No, 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 no. And I have to reassure and I have to kind of build the rapport and the relationship. George was one of those guys where he said, Mike, I'm not going to have anything to talk. You do not want to talk to me. Like he was flat out. No, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be terrible. But the referral I got had a super amount of credibility and said to him, look, you're going to have fun. Within five minutes, suddenly we couldn't shut each other up. Yeah. It was like this amazing thing. And he had such a good time and you'll appreciate this very much. And this is the part that I love about that. And this is where I can tune the noise out because the relationship is more important than the reaction from others in right. many cases. Right. right. Because if I'm building a relationship and they had a fun time and, and that's, that's, that's the gold for me. And if mm -hmm. other people can be entertained by it or, or given insights by it even better, but the relationship is number one for me. Yeah. And, and, and so three days later after he, after our episode, he was so tickled by it. He said, Mike, can I have your address? And I'm like, sure. And I, and I have now gotten to the point where if anybody from the Leatherman mythos asks for my mailing address, I just give it to them yeah. because <laughs> George was the first three days after that, a box shows up at my front door and it's three Letterman crew jackets oh, with their man. tags still on them, man. That was his thank you for what? Yeah. For, 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 for not being the guy who just asked one question and shuts up for mm -hmm. being the guy who started a discussion where an actual connection could take place. Yeah. And, 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 oh my gosh, what a great place to be in right now. And just like what you and I are doing right now, Scott, like, again, I have never gone through as much anxiety and, 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 and little bouts of depression and, and, and scarcity than I have in the last month. Uh -huh. My wife and I are at a place with this app and it's like, holy crap. The, 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 the fall, which is normally quite robust in the financial world was about 30% down for me. Mm -hmm. I am nervous about things in, in ways and I'm, I'm being proactive about it, by the way, I'm doing something about it, but doing this with you right now has all of that stuff has faded away. Yeah. And to me, that's a secret to life. If you can find something that you really love and really appreciate for me, it's connection. Mm -hmm. It's not just the Letterman podcast that does this for me. Doing this right now, you lit me up, Scott. Yeah, that's and, great. And, and any time that we can find something in our life that lights us up and become aware of that, that's the direction you want to send your life, whatever that looks like, whether it's professionally, whether it's on a hobby level, but you want to spend some time and effort doing those things. And, mm. and this right here is one of them. Yeah, so. yeah. And that's really, you know, I, when I, you know, I, I just walked away from behind the bits because I just couldn't do it. You know, I, yeah. I, I was, I, I was barely functioning as, as, as a human being. So you, you, you can't put anything behind a podcast when you're doing that. And it's so tough to, you have to fake that stuff. Yeah. And so when I'm, you know, I'm pulling myself out of it, what, what do I want to do? to not only lift myself up a little bit, but also put it out there so somebody that is in the same situation as me or in, in a similar situation, they, they know that, man, if they reach out to somebody and just talk to them for a while, it makes all the difference. So that's, that, that's really, that's really what I'm going for. And I just, I just want to, I, I want to lift people like you up because you know, you meant something to me, and, and and you still do when I when I watch a show. It it 
it's it's not just me listening to like a true crime podcast just to get the plot or whatever. Yeah, when I see you light up, I light up, and 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 and. And when people tell you that, people need you, you need to tell people that more because if they don't know it, then they just keep putting it out there and they don't know that it's resonating with people. And that's one of the things that, you know, I'm trying to be very purposeful to, you know, stop looking internally. Let's look externally. Let's let, let's tell people what they mean to me. And, and yeah. even though, you know, we're a few miles away and we've never met in person – just just knowing what you did and what you're putting into it it means something to me and and i can i can see that what you're doing means something to you because it's just all there it's it, it, it's it, it's so easy to see and and that's the difference between a shitty podcast and a good podcast <laughs> by the way you know a podcast has to be a passion project it can't be just something where two guys get around sort of say they talk about everything it's just you know it's it's got to be something that you are really invested in and and man i i i appreciate you i appreciate what you're doing but you know as as a person you know the fact that i reached out to you this morning and we're talking tonight that means something to me too you know that you know because i know you're a busy guy and the fact that you you made time for me that that means a heck of a lot to me dude i it's it's reciprocal you know it's funny when you when you down when you when you uh, open up the app, he changed it. You can go to anybody who wants to know about this. Go to hechangeit.com. You'll see what my wife and her team are trying to do. They want to change the world, and 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 there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could talk about with that. But but one of the things with he changed it. If you download the he changed it app and you open it up, one of the first things is how are you feeling, and it's got you know shitty all the way up to I feel great. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling and and you just touch it, and it has these preloaded responses for each thing, and there's a dozen of them for each one or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Well, it's so funny how if you're feeling meh or shitty or whatever it is and you click it, how many times the message that pops up is something about going to do something for somebody else. Yeah. And how you're feeling shitty, give somebody else a call and wish them a, a good day. Mm-hmm. Go go buy something for somebody, buy somebody a coffee, go do something like this. And 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 it's so funny and I mean obviously they've researched that and how 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 that is a, a hack for, for for the mind and how it can really help. Yeah. And it does. Connection does that for me. Yeah. Like I said, I just came from a meeting where I ate a bunch of crow at my yeah. office. <laughs> yeah. And and part of that is because there's there's a there's a there's a square peg in a round hole knowing that I'm trying to I'm in some sort of transition here but there's no money here but that's okay because this is what lights me up so i can go to the office tomorrow like what you and i are doing right now and 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 i'm so grateful that you reached out again i feel like i dropped the ball because i wanted to have you on the letterman podcast too because a component of the letterman podcast is having the audience on yeah and i'm I'm a firm believer in that it's a very important thing you know dave calls a payphone well there was somebody who answered that payphone and is talking about it 20 years later still yeah i want to talk to that guy because Dave made it so so to me it's a really important thing. What I wasn't prepared for was the deluge of the avalanche of how many staffers I would get right away. And those ones I would I was like I wanted to jump on immediately. Yeah. Because they could change their mind and I like, you know, the urgency and all that stuff. Yeah. I've got three in the can right now. Warren Zevon's guy. I've got Wally Ferriston, who, who who's the cue card guy for SNL, and for like they're they're sitting on my computer in the can. Yeah. Like, guys, I have got to do this after the holidays because Don Giller and I just did this compilation, this four, and 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 so a bunch of the 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 folks who 
are are in the in the in the enthusiast camp have I've left that unfortunately. You're at the top of that list, and uh-huh. I'm so glad you reached out to me today because it's like great. Yeah, Scott Curtis and I are going <laughs> to connect again, and I knew it was going to be awesome. And 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 this here has made my day go from. And I'm not I'm not being hyperbolous when I say this. My day today was probably a two. Yeah, and I'm sitting at an eight or a nine right now. Like I feel like, and I can't fake it. Yeah, and it's because right. of this connection that we've had. So as much as you feel that, and the nice things that you said, I mean, I can't even. I feel the exact same about you, man. And mm. and and I'm so glad. I hope that some of what you have given to me is reciprocal, and you're feeling it as well. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, just awesome. just just the fact that we're talking tonight after I reached out to you this morning just means oh. a ton it's it's oh. it's just it, it's it's fantastic and you know what when we started talking even before recording it was like we were picking up a conversation we had yesterday it's Absolutely. not it, it, you know it's not it, it's not like we haven't talked for a year or whatever yeah and and you know a lot of these people watching it from the sidelines they you know they feel like that every episode they watch you know they're reconnecting with you and that's that it it it's important. And I can't, you know, I, you, you can't state enough that, man, it, you just got to reach out to people. And, and, yeah. you know, during, during my darkest times, I reached out to a few people and it's the first time in my life that I did it. And it's not as scary as the hesitation makes no, it seem like it would no, be, does it? No, is it? No. And, and that's good. It's becoming a habit now. That's great. Right. And it's, it, it's, once you do it, then you feel okay about doing it again, but you also open yourself up for people reaching out to you and, 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 you know, helping somebody is the best way to make yourself feel better. So that's, it, it, it just, it's just, you know, that's, it's science or whatever. It's just whatever it is, that's the way we're made. And being, being of use to somebody and, and having a purpose is just, super important you just listed one of you know it's funny every once in a while i'll do some introspection about about the people that are in my life and 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 sometimes you know you got to prune that bonsai a little bit and you got to make sure that you're mindful of the people that are in your life yeah and you want to make it look as good as you can one of the criteria that i have the folks that are in my life and it's funny there are some folks who are guests on the letterman podcast that i could say this with about which is unbelievable to me the type of person where you don't, and, and I'm just echoing this because I feel exactly the same way, where it's someone that you haven't talked to for months, but the moment you sit down, there's no judgment on either side. There's no neediness on either side. Right. Saying, oh, you didn't know this, that I did this, and you didn't do that. You know, no, no, no. It's like no time has passed, except yeah. there are events that have happened that we need to just catch up on. Yeah. And, yeah, and, that's, and that's actually somebody, if I have a litmus test of, a litmus test of somebody uh, to show their friendship in my life, that is actually one of the criteria I use mm-hmm. because life isn't getting less busy. It's not getting less complex. It's right. not getting less difficult. It's getting more on all of those things. I look at the financial, I look at some of my clients, the, some of the financial places that people are at right now, inflation and all of these things for people that are just busting it, trying to make ends meet and the pressures that are on people that alone never mind relationships mm-hmm. never mind you know some of these other things that come in never mind the, the the polarization of the world where where there are there there are teams trying to recruit people to their causes and 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 people who are just trying to to get through it yeah. it's not getting easier it's getting more difficult and 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 so having criteria like that where there is no judgment and there is that that bond 
that 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 cuts through the busyness and the crap that's out there. I think mm-hmm. that is a huge I think that's a huge benefit for for people who are looking to a criteria for people that are going to be in their lives. Yeah. And I feel that way with you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And and same to you. And and it's it's just great to connect. And, uh, you know, I, you know, you know, first, thank you for being my friend. And second, thank you for doing the Lighter Room podcast, because it really did awaken something in me that it was kind of sleeping. You know, I, you know, I, I, I remembered him, but it wasn't something that I really looked back on. And, and now I do. And, and very fondly, and I can remember, you know, I'll watch, I'll watch one of Don's clips. So I'm like, yep. I remember where I was sitting when I watched that. <laughs> Isn't that the best feeling? Isn't that the best feeling when yeah. you can transport back to that moment? Yep. Oh, I have so many. Yeah. Of those. I there's love so many. Feeling. There's so many. I remember because I moved to Indianapolis and I lived there for a year before my wife. Now she was my girlfriend then moved down. And, you know, I had this shitty, shitty furniture. It was like this green old person's furniture that I bought at an estate sale. And I just remember <laughs> sitting on that terrible, terrible chair and yeah. watching Letterman every night, no matter, no matter what, you know, and I was a restaurant manager at the time. And no matter what happened, I watched Letterman that night and it, I, it just takes me back there, and and I don't remember anything else from those times. I can't remember the people I worked with. I remember like two people I worked with, and and where I ate or what else I did. But I remember those Letterman shows. Scott, have you have you had Eddie Brill on your show? I did. I did have him on yeah. behind the bits. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's I thought so. I thought great. you did. Yeah. So Eddie and I. Okay. So so I just want to illustrate that those moments. I'll tell you that one of the. I don't know why I'm compelled to do this. I know that I, I, I don't like the fact that a lot of these bits that are being, you know, reimagined, mm-hmm. <laughs> ripped off that, <laughs> that, that, that our boy and, and his, his amazing company came up with, you know, are forgotten or not, you know, so part of me is, I know that there's a transfer of knowledge thing. Yeah. I don't know why I'm compelled to, 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 to do this. Don is the archivist. I feel like I want to be the anecdotal archivist of yeah. this thing, yeah. but I'll tell you one of the, if there is a joy of this thing that I was not prepared for, but it's exactly what you were talking about, I'm going to illustrate it with this moment with Eddie Brill. So Eddie Brill is a big hockey fan. I'm from Canada. Canada's hockey's religion up here. Mm. And, and, and so, but Eddie is a gigantic hockey fan mm. and, and apparently Dave is too. So maybe one day Dave and I could take a hockey game together, I don't know. <laughs> but, but I'm a gigantic hockey fan just off camera. There's a gigantic Wayne Gretzky picture right over here. Uh-huh. So Eddie and I are talking and, and, and it was actually, I think I actually kept it in. I think it was the first time he was on the show. I think it was like episode three, right back at the beginning. It was one of the very first times that this happened where he and I, in talking about a moment, both went back to that exact moment at the exact same time. Yeah. And it was when the, uh, the Canadians and the Americans in 2010 played in the gold medal game at the Olympics. Yeah. And, and, and Dave was talking about this and it was a segment. And so in between commercials, Eddie Brill would always come out to the desk many times. He would come up and talk to Dave. Unbelievable, you know, thing that he got to witness night after night after night. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, you know what? There's a moment that nobody remembers that I'm going to, I'm going to get Don to give me the clip one day because it was the gold medal game and it was going into overtime and it was in Vancouver and the place was going absolutely nuts. And it was just, and hockey's religion up here. And there was a moment where Dave said, you know, and as I'm watching this game, he's talking to Paul ignoring a piece of comedy on the desk instead talking about the Olympics, talking about the hockey game said, I was watching. And, and at some, at at a point there, I I wanted the Canadians to win. 
uh-huh. and he said it because of the the home crowd yeah. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? He said that, and I I re I retold that moment to Eddie. He I think he'd asked me what one of my favorite moments was, and I told him about that, and I remembered. Watching Letterman the day after Sidney Crosby scored, we call it up here, we call it the golden goal, mm-hmm. and, 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 and he scored it in overtime, and we talk about it up here like it's religion, and I remember the next night, because it was on a Sunday, watching Letterman mm-hmm. and watching Dave's reaction to that, and I know ex- I can crystal clear put myself in that moment, yeah. and when Dave, my broadcast hero, said that, okay, I could put myself in that moment, and then having that response with Eddie... Yeah. remembering talking to Dave at the desk, remembering talking <laughs> about the game with Dave that day and, and, and whatnot. And it was just this, when two people can have a moment like that, and I've mm-hmm. had them many times, I've had them with you. I've had mm-hmm. them with you today where we talk about these things. It is such a beautiful thing. And you want to talk about, you know, therapy or, or, or people helping people, whatever you want to call it. That is it right there. Yeah. That commonality and sharing those commonalities. And for anybody who's out there, who's an introvert, I think you did a really commendable thing in talking about how you have learned how to reach out and, and, and it's not like you're reaching out and, 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 you know, taking a step out of a moving vehicle. All you're doing is, is wanting to create one of these connection points with somebody, whether it is helping them. And it comes from that talking about something that you both love, whether it's stand up, whether it's something that you're into, mm-hmm. that is a, that is a pivotal skill. And it's a, it's a life hack that will, will, will certainly help. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate you observing that. That is a really cool. Yeah. I, I, and I feel it with you, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a hundred, hundred percent reciprocal, man. I, it's just, th- th- this is great. And cause my, yeah. my day was, my, my day was maybe a three. I, it, it was, yeah. it, it was at least a three. So come, come into this and, and just knowing what I have ahead this week is, is daunting, um, year end and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I, I, I'm really, really glad that you picked tonight to talk because, because oh. it, it was it was a point where I needed it, and 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 I'm I'm it, it's a, it was a written in the stars, you know. It was meant it's to be. Great. Oh yeah, there are no coincidences, and I yeah. truly believe that. And 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 when the doors fly open the way they did today, I mean, it's it's obviously meant to be. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for having me on, man. Yeah. I just yeah, you rock, Scott. And folks, in the show notes, um, there's going to be two things. Well, actually, there's going to be several things. There will be a link to the Letterman podcast. There's going to be a link to my Spotify where I'm going to put my three favorite episodes of the Letterman podcast. I'm only giving you three. Do you know what they are? Yeah. Well, uh, Dick Cavett. uh, Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. Weiner. Steve Weiner? Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, a good friend of mine now. Really good friend. And and who was the producer that... Was on Robert SNL. Morton. Producer who was on SNL. He, he he's, didn't he start in SNL and then go to Letterman. Um, or maybe it's a writer. About, uh, SNL, you, okay, well, there's Steve O'Donnell, but he O'Donnell. was never. That was what's that? I, it is O'Donnell, and okay, yeah, he never actually worked. Uh, he worked for Downey though, who 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 did, and and okay, there's yeah. there's connections there for sure, yeah, but yeah, yeah. 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 No, O'Donnell is yeah, I mean off yeah, the top of my head, those those would be my yeah. top three. And yeah. oh and, and again and Cavett Cavett I've listened to twice and I'll probably listen to it again. Just just because he's such an all shucks guy. Just I know. just the typical Midwestern. Yeah, I did some stuff. He invented the freaking podcast, you know. Absolutely. I mean the long the nobody did a long form interview like he did. And nope. and and that 
you know, that's a podcast right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that was that that was a big moment for me listening to that one. And 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 just the fact he's like, Yeah, all shucks, I did some stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, he uh when he at the end of the episode and he was genuine about that, he 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 looked at he said, I like you. Yeah. And when he said that to me, I was just I, I, I melted, I yeah. melted inside and, and I just appreciate him so, so, so much. I just, I, wife said, I just liked when his wife said, are you still talking? I know. I loved it. Oh, and his wife's amazing too. She and I had an amazing conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. Thank you much for shouting that out. I appreciate it. But. Yeah. It's funny when I talked to, and I'll have a, um, a link to the app too, but when I read a Rudner, I had to go through her husband and he had to vet me before I talked to her and, and he was like, okay, you're all right. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And she doesn't, she doesn't do a ton of podcasts. So it, you know, it was, it, it, it was a real honor to have her. In the eighties. I just, I don't know if there was a female comic that I liked more than her. Yeah. I I just, her, her delivery yep. was so perfect, but I didn't know I wasn't old enough to know that it was the delivery. I don't know. There was yeah. something about Rita that was just charismatic. Yeah. And I just, God, I loved her. Yep. Yep. I mean, really it's, it's kind of a deadpan Stephen Wright type thing, but yep. it's from a female perspective and, and, and she's not dealing with all these oblique things. It's real stuff, but yeah. she, she's, you know, she, she's offering the right kind of commentary and yeah, she was, she was perfect to everything she did. And yeah, that was that that was a great moment for me being able to talk to her. Well, I I got to tell you, thank you so much for being on the show, Mike. And and I'm just glad we connected and we just got to talk more. And anytime. <laughs> anytime. And whether the cameras are on or the record buttons on or not, anytime, brother. Like I believe iron sharpens iron. And I'm very yeah. sharpened by you. So thank you very much for everything that you're doing, Scott. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, thank you so much. And I hope tomorrow is better for you. Thank you, brother. Right back at you. <laughs> All right. How do I stop this thing? There we go.